Would you join me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you. You can be seated. Kingdom come is our theme for this year. It's always a joy to come to this particular week in, the, in February. Last week, we shared all that we've been able to do in missions around the world. This week, we launch our church theme. And next week, we will launch our theme and missions as we move into our missions conference. And so our theme for 2024 is actually four words, but the first two are the words we have just been singing. I have a feeling that song, we're going to wear that song out before the year is over. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Greek word here that Jesus uses or that Matthew records, uh, I'm going to put it on the screen for us here because this word come literally means, of course, to come, your kingdom come or go, like movement, coming and going. It also means to appear, your kingdom appear on earth as it is in heaven. It has the meaning of to bring or to be brought. And it also has this meaning to grow, to grow. What did Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is like? And we know, of course, that Matthew uses the, the phrase kingdom of heaven and Mark, Luke and John uh, use the phrase kingdom of God. And those are just those are you know, can be uh, uh, inter inter intertwined. But we read in Matthew 13, 33, that Jesus says this. Here's what the kingdom is like. It's like yeast. It's like yeast that a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put in a little yeast. And how many know once you put it in, you can't get it back out? Yeah. You put it in and it's in, man. It's in. Ain't no taking it out. It's like yeast that a woman used in making bread. Even though she put in only a little yeast in three measures of flour, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It permeated every part. It permeated every part of the dough. Yeast is small. My wife is brilliant at making pizza crusts and homemade bread and, you know, you just can't deny it when it's there. It's, it, it's, it fills 
it smells good. Yeast smells good. You know, I think at least bread smells good. Yeast is small. It's unassuming. And yet, when put in flour and given time, it will change everything. Everything will change. Jesus said this in verse 31. What's the kingdom like? It's like a mustard seed. Well, that's a little bit similar to yeast in the fact that both are so small you can hardly identify it or see it. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. So yeast goes into the bread and the seed goes into the garden or into the, the ground. Jesus said, yet yeah, it's the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater. When it is grown, it is greater. What is the kingdom of heaven like? What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a mustard seed, small, maybe insignificant to some, maybe hardly noticed or given any attention by others. But when it is grown, it is greater. It is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So Jesus shows us that the least of all the seeds becomes the greatest of all the seeds, but he's not really talking about seeds. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And Isaiah prophesies and says this in chapter 9 and verse 7, of the increase, that's what happens with yeast. That's what happens with the mustard seed. Isaiah said, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom appear. Your kingdom be brought. Your kingdom grow. And Isaiah says it this way. Your kingdom increase. Increase. And then Isaiah, re remember what we just read. He said, to order his kingdom and to establish it with judgment and justice. And then he talks about a time. He says, from that time forward, even forevermore. And we do not get past the first 15 verses in Mark's gospel in the New Testament when Jesus says these words, for the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand Repent and believe the gospel. It's time. It's time. For three years, Jesus preached the kingdom. It's here. It's near. It's close at hand. There's one point in the Message Bible that says, it's right on your doorstep. And then he goes. He goes to Calvary. And he goes to the cross. And on that cross, Jesus brings forth a new creation and establishes what Isaiah talked about. He establishes his kingdom on earth. And what is the last thing he says? 
on the cross. The last thing Jesus says is, it is, he says, teleo. In the Greek, he says one word. He dies with the last word on his lips. Teleo. It is finished. Other translations say it is completed. Others say it is accomplished. Others say it is all done. Some translations say it is consummated. Others say it is ended. And the earth shook. And the sun went black. And the veil in the temple was torn in two. And the Roman soldier who stood by him said, This is the Son of God. And a few days later, Jesus would explain all of that to his disciples. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, he would say to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What had happened in the Garden of Eden had just been reversed. God said to Satan the serpent, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. And I'm telling you, there's a new sheriff in town. I'm telling you, there is a new king on the throne. And the former, the former one has been dethroned and defeated and destroyed. And the apostle John in his epistle said this was the very purpose Jesus came for in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then the Hebrew writer takes it even deeper and makes it even clearer when the Hebrew writer says that through death, through his death, that through death, through the cross, through death, he might destroy him who had, who had the power of death that is the devil. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Paul said, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. Now watch this. For if they had known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Why not? Why not? Why wouldn't they have done it if they had known what was about to happen? That this was not the death of Jesus. This was the death of death. Why not? I'll tell you why not. Because at the cross, the keys of the kingdom were now placed in the hands of the Christ. And those keys are now placed in the hands of his church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have the keys for his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. It's just like C.S. Lewis taught us in the Chronicles of Narnia. Aslan goes to that altar. Beautiful, majestic Aslan. And there on that altar, he sheared, he shamed, he slain. But his death was the defeat of the wicked witch of perpetual winter. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us, Jesus. He canceled the record, all those subpoenas, all those tickets, all those violations. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The Amplified Version reads it this way. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, the authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Now, three years before the cross, Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. We read in Luke chapter 4 and verse 6, And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. The New Living Translation reads it this way. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they're mine to give to anyone I please. Or as the Good News translation says, I will give you all this power and all this wealth, the devil told him. It's all been handed over to me, and I can give it to anyone I choose. Or as the message paraphrase says, then the devil said, they're yours in all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. There was only a 36-month option on that offer. Because at the cross, they were no longer his to give. 
but they were his to take. N.T. Wright calls that day the day the revolution began. It's a great book. He also calls that day the day God became king. That's a good book, too. So how does his kingdom come? And how is his will done? If you were here last Sunday, we began to talk just for a few moments about how this happens. His kingdom come. His kingdom come. The mustard seed continued to grow. You know, in all honesty, uh, I read a, uh, a New Testament Bible scholar who said at the end of the first century, the kingdom of God, Christianity in the earth was one Christian for every 2,500 people alive on the planet. Today, even in the madness and mayhem and all the insanity and dictators and all that kind of stuff, today, 2,000 years later, it's one in three. Your kingdom come and just keep coming until Jesus comes again. The kingdom come, the kingdom advance, the kingdom go, the kingdom grow. And how? How does that happen? In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the triumph and the victory in Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I preached last week. This was the, the title of my sermon last week. Through us. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Through us. God uses us. God reaches out through us. God is good through us. Paul teaches us at, at, in the Corinthian church, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are laborers together with God. It is through us. And I said this last week, much of the church today is focused on in us and to us and for us. Hallelujah. Let's just build an altar there. And let's just see how much more we can learn about what he's done for us and in us and to us. And it's wonderful. And honestly, it'll take forever to probably grasp it all. But we just camp there. We just camp there. What God has done in me, what God has done to me, what God has done for me. But I tell you today, it is what God does through us that changes the world. What God has done for you does not change the world. But what God does through you, it's what God does through us that causes his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the next two words in our theme this year describes how God does this through us. And it's what I would describe right now what our vocation is in the new creation. How does this kingdom of God advance through us? It is through our worship and it is through our witness. It is through our worship and it is through our witness, through our worship, through our worship and through our witness. It is through our worship and it is through our witness. We read in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, by him, let us 
continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Our worship and our witness, our worship and our witness. Now, I have to just only give you a spot where I come from a smidgen of this because we're going to deep dive all year into this kingdom come and we're going to deep dive all year into our worship and our witness. But let me just say this this morning. There are three elements to our worship and they are supplication, celebration, and adoration. Now, supplication is the intimacy of my heart in prayer and intercession and conversation, deep, even groanings, which can't be uttered, but can be deeply, deeply felt. It is in supplication that we pour tears on his feet and we lay our heads on his breast like John the Beloved. Supplication. And then celebration. Celebration is the dance and the joyful shout, and it's the halal, the halal. Let me show you the Hebrew word on the screen for halal. It means to shine. It means to make a show. It means to boast. It means to be clamorously foolish. It means to rave and to celebrate. And, of course, we know that in this new dispensation, that only applies to the footy. But at one time, it applied to believers and their heart towards God. Psalm 149, halal the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his halal in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them halal his name with dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and harp. And we say, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like that. No, but here's what is for sure. The Lord likes that. For he takes pleasure, the verse says. The next, for he takes pleasure in his people. But that's not what my denomination does. I know, but that's what the kingdom of God does. Supplication. Celebration. Adoration. Now, adoration is where we bow down and kneel before our maker. Adoration is deep contemplation that causes us to prostrate ourselves before his majesty and his grandeur and his breathtaking splendor. What is our vocation in the new creation? It is our worship. And it is our witness. There are also three elements to our witness. Declaration, transformation, and demonstration. So our declaration in our witness is the gospel message. It is the word of God. It is the good news of Jesus. It is that our sins can be forgiven. It's what we decree. It's what we declare. 
I'm convinced that nobody gets saved without the gospel. We hear the gospel. When we hear the gospel, it brings faith. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul said this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. They can't believe it if they don't hear it. People have to hear the gospel. They have to hear that wonderful good news that God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel. The gospel. Paul went on to say this in, in, in Romans 10 8. He says, but what does it say? The word, the word, the gospel message, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. So our witness is a definitely has the uh, layer of declaration, but also transformation. This is our witness as well. Transformation is the new creation that you have become in Jesus Christ. Transformation is, is the you that people who knew you hardly recognize you. This is transformation. We read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You didn't just get patched up. You didn't just get an outpaint job. You didn't, just didn't get, you know, a, 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 you know, a reno. No. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ. Now, religion will do all that for you. Church, you know, well, I mean, all. But Christ there's a new creation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Now, it may not be completely, you know, finished, but it's begun. It's begun, and transformation is the noticeable and undeniable new you that is totally different from the old you. This is the testimony where you say, look what the Lord has done. It's like me, a few, many years ago, I was on the golf course with a good Christian brother and a, just the most humble, sweet guy. And just before, we were, just before we started, he looked at me and he said, you know, God has so changed my life. He said, I used to drink two full bottles of whiskey every single day. Now, I looked at him and I could have fainted because the guy that was standing next to me was such a good father, such a good husband, such a good man, such a faithful servant of the Lord. I had no idea of what his used to was. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 3. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, you used to. Come on, every born-again believer had a used to. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. You used to obey the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Oh, those next two words, though. But God. It ain't that way now. But God. This is your witness. This is your Witness, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Our witness is our declaration, and it's our transformation. I'm going to ask our team to please return as I finish with this last thought. But so our demonstration of God's love to others of God's kindness to others. 
These are the good works that Paul said we were created to do in Christ Jesus. This is the light that Jesus told us to shine, that men would see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Demonstration. The hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the prisoner, the stranger, the naked. Our witness. We demonstrate God's love. We demonstrate God's kindness. We demonstrate God's mercy. We demonstrate God's grace through us, through us, through us. We serve, we give, we pray, we help, we care, we lift, we suffer, we die. Stand with me, please. Kingdom come. And just keep coming until Jesus returns and makes it all good. Makes it all new heaven, new earth. Come on. But until he comes, it's through us. It is through us. We will continue. And this year we're going to go deep into the realm of our vocation. You may have a job. You may have a career. But as a new creation, we all have the exact same vocation. And that is worship and witness. And through us, through our worship and our witness, his kingdom appears. Bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, what a privilege today to share with excitement to our church family where we believe you are taking us this year as a church. I want to go there, Lord. I want to go. I want to go. I ask through us, through me and Carol, through us, through our family, through our life, through our finance, through our, through our heart, through our, through our remaining days, through us, through us. And Lord, we as a church, through us, I pray, your kingdom come. In Jesus' name.